Welcome to the Joe Schmo Theology Podcast, where we discuss confessions. I ain't confessing nothing! Reformed theology. I don't know what either of those words mean. And apologetics. I am not apologizing for anything either. I am your host, Adam D. Murray, and joined with me today on this program is my brother, Aaron D. Murray. Hey, how's it going, man? It's good. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Uh, last couple weeks, we, we met two weeks ago, I think. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. So the last we're on, couple... We're in episode five. Episode five. Yeah, halfway to double digits. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Making moves. Um, no, the last couple of weeks have been good, though. They've been been stressful uh, yeah. in a lot of ways. Work has been just burying me in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of hard work, a lot of late nights, uh, not a whole lot of fruit being born at the moment, so uh, it can be discouraging, but you know we're also just called to be faithful, so that's... What how, I keep how fitting for what we're talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, just just trying to be faithful in that. Um, got to spend a a long weekend up in Traverse City with Hannah and her family. That was a good time to kick back and relax and do some good old fashioned camping. Except every, everyone. Are there you really had a, much of a camper? I love camping. Really? Yeah. I just do it in like the bare minimum type of way. <laughs> so they all had like trailers and campers and stuff and I had a tent. What am I talking about? We went backpacking together. Yeah. Of course you're a camper. Yeah, but I just don't I just don't like do the whole I don't know. I, I bring like you're the a real bare, camper. You're not I bring the bare camper. minimum of whatever I need to survive yeah. and that's about it. So I am not always like the most comfortable <laughs> in the world. Like I'll I'll sleep in a tent and I won't have a mat and I'll wake up in the morning and my back will yell at me and I'm like, Yep, that was yeah. a good decision. Well we even tried to sleep in like a like a cave in a cliff. Yeah. Oh which yeah. Which is awesome. Which but... is sweet. But you know, it's it's just kinda of that thing. I don't really I don't really care that much. Uh it's more just being out and mm-hmm. away from people and being in nature and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. So that's good. Um other than that, not a whole lot going on. We did some evangelism on Saturday. We'll talk about that, yeah. I'm sure. And um, yeah, got a couple things coming up later this week. But how are things with you? They're good. I had to break into my house today. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Smart. Well, okay, it's not my fault. <laughs> it's my wife's fault. Who, uh, I, who I loved oh, it. Who oh, I loved it. She blame the wife. Be mad at me. It this l- is the oldest story <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Legitimately, is half of mm-hmm. her fault. Mm-hmm. So if you notice all this stuff in my garage right behind me, I see it. I am storing. Um, a bunch of my buddy's stuff from church. He's in between apartments right now. The apartment that he's moving into doesn't open up for another week and a half, so he's keeping the majority of his stuff here. But it's blocking the side door of my garage. I like some of those shirts. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I told him I was going to start wearing them to church. I was going to say, I kind of want to wear one of those to a meeting tomorrow because <laughs> all mine are at the dry cleaner. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so it's blocking that door so I can't get in through there. So I came home from work today, and she has my car keys, which has my house key on it. And normally we don't lock the front door, but she's been locking the uh, uh, glass door because Desmond can grab onto it and he keeps falling out. So she keeps locking that door. <laughs> so she leaves. So she has the key to the house with the door locked. The um, side door to the garage is barricaded, so I can't get in. And she's got the garage door opener in the car. Mm. So I had to... Uh, she's sending you a message, man. Something like that, I guess. <laughs> My stuff was in the yard. I don't know what's happened. Hey, speaking of your kid, though, do you think one of us should check on him since he was just crying? I, I was just, yeah, it was your fault. Okay. Well, I, you come and stomping out making noise. All I did was flush the toilet. That's yeah. it. <laughs> no, you started talking, too. Whatever. You slammed the I was excited like, hey, what's about up? it. Was, stop. We promised we weren't going to have any, like, potty talk. 
Okay. Okay. Right. Jeez. Done. We can't. Like it's literally impossible for us to get through this. <laughs> all I know time. is you have no toilet paper in either of your bathrooms anymore. Stop talking about that. That's things. all I'm saying. <laughs> get Jeez. a grip, man. Get a grip on your life. Oh my word. Where was I? I don't even remember what I was talking you about. You were blo- you were locked out. I was locked out. Locked so out. so I had to sneak around my house, sneak in, looking sneak for in. for a window to open up, and then you've got the screen door, you've got a or the screen and the window you've got to mess around with. Sure. And I realized the dog I have is worthless when it comes to someone breaking in. Mm-hmm. Okay, he he didn't know it was me. But he starts whimpering, and like <laughs> and like runs with us. You are worthless. <laughs> His name is Toothless, and it rhymes with worthless. But yeah, it was. <laughs> I was just waiting for someone to call the cops on me for breaking into my own house. I've broken into your house before. Yeah. It was actually my fault that you had to do that. Yeah, I know. I know. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Which one did you go through? Uh, right by the kitchen table. The kitchen table. Yeah. yeah. Were you like St. Louis or something? You called me like, hey, could you yeah, feed two or something? I think I think we were doing stuff with CEF in Missouri. Oh yeah. And yeah, our dog needed food. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I had to break into my house. Yeah. Uh, so Aaron's house is not very secure. <laughs> if anybody right. wants to come, don't by say the address. And get something. I wasn't going to please. Besides, I edit anyway. Yeah, you do. Yeah, so what are we what are we talking about today? Uh, regular principle? Oh, yeah. No, we're not talking about the regular principle. We're not talking Didn't about... did we tell people last podcast I, I think we were talking we did. about I think regular we did. principle? So people, all 14 of our listeners... <laughs> 20, 25, we have like 25. Okay, so Whoa. I download, so it's like 24. Yeah, I download too. 23. 23. <laughs> and my wife, 22. Yeah, so you're pretty close. <laughs> yeah, we're about 14. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when it's all said and done. Um... Yeah, so last week we were talking about how we would be talking about the regulative principle. So if you were tuning in like, yes, we're going to finally hear about the regulative principle. Uh, we, we lied to you. I lied to you. Sorry. Um, been doing a lot of lie. Been doing a lot of research on the regulative principle lately and uh, have found myself more confused than I've ever been. Uh, so I called Aaron today and I said, hey, what if we just put that off till our next cast and that way I can actually somewhat be somewhat intelligent about what I'm talking about? We're called Rather Joe Schmo theologians. We're not intelligent about anything we talk about. Right, but this was a whole other level of <laughs> intelligence. <laughs> so I found myself talking with uh, with Hannah last night, trying to explain some of the things I was working through, and that was the uh, the revelation that I was not able to communicate where I was on things very well. So. Um, with that being said, we would rather just have a more intelligent conversation when we actually do talk about it rather than wasting all of your time and then going, wow, we were wrong about everything. And then, you know, so that's my fault. Uh, but tonight we're going to be talking about evangelism. Yeah. Before we do, though, I have a couple things I want to get across, like some housekeeping announcements, things, if that's okay. Yeah. So one, I meant to do this uh, last episode. Just uh, give some resources for people to look into if they're considering um, looking at confessions or creeds or things like that. Um, the first is obviously pick up a copy of the Westminster Confession of Faith, the London Baptist Confession, if you lean you that go. way. I'm, I'm playing both sides of the field, <laughs> man. You. you go both ways. I. Well, uh, oh, awesome. So pick up pick up the the confessions, read through them. They're very helpful. What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, also, a great book to read on both confessions and creeds, uh, their history, why people don't uh, use them, why people do use them. It's called it's a book called Creedal Imperative by Carl Truman, which, which is fantastic. On, honestly, anything that Carl Truman writes, read it. Um, <laughs> even if you disagree with them, you're, you're going to be blessed and you're going to be encouraged and you'll have some things to think about. 
Um, I can't read any book of his without reading it in an English accent. Right. He's yeah. he's British. Yeah. I don't know if you know Carl Truman. Yeah, he's he's yeah. cool. I've not read any of his stuff. Oh, dude, you have to read. I've heard of uh, you should definitely read. Uh, what's it called? Republicrat. Oh, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's. Has, Austin left that in my room. Yeah, so I let him borrow here. it, and he yeah. didn't take it. I think out. I have it actually. Yeah, yeah, you should read it. It's really good. I might have mailed it to it's him. It's really good. Well, it'll be on the list. Yeah. So that, and then again, if you're if you're audio, um, this is more for the Westminster Confession. I don't really have anything for the London Baptist. But if you're um, really into the Westminster Confession of Faith and you want to know more about it, um, understand more of what it says, there is a podcast called the Jerusalem Chamber, which is put on by four RP pastors, <coughs> and they uh, they just pretty much go line by line through the confession and talk about it. Um, it's it's cheesy like our podcast is. But the the content that they say is really, really, really good. Um, so I'd, I'd recommend those three things. Nice. Uh, also, we are on iTunes now. Nice. Nice. So if well anybody done. wants to rate and review us, that would be much appreciated. Give us an honest whatever star review we deserve. I'm not going to be like these other podcasts that only want the five stars. We'll I take want, whatever. No, no, I don't. Well, I'll take a three. I, I don't encourage people lying. I take it. You know, no, I'll just, just... If you look, think it's a five, we'll take on, a five. Hold on, just, hold on, hold if, on. You know, if, if it's not a, a three half, or above, just don't even bother wasting your time. Okay? Yeah, if, it, if you think it's a less it's less than three, why are you even listening to this to begin with? Yeah, seriously, get your life together. I mean, come on, you know How many dude. other things you could be listening to right now? Like what? Like anything Like what? Come on. Like what? Do you want me to oh, name other yeah, podcasts? Yeah, you, you, other podcasts that are... I can list them. You I had just, your chance. Now I don't believe you can because you've it's had a, like It's a problem because if we get to this point that I'm recommending other podcasts that people stop listening to us. I literally realize. just recommended a podcast just now. All right. Doctrine and Devotion. Uh-huh. Joe Thorne, Jimmy Fowler. Uh-huh. Uh, the Dividing Line. Yeah. Uh, White Horse Inn. Okay. Mortification of Spin. Village okay. Church. College okay. Park Church. I don't okay. know if you guys have a podcast or not. No. Uh, anything by Al Mohler. So he does the briefing as uh-huh. well as speaking in public. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Tom Woods show. Okay, get a little libertarian, libertarian on me. Lean. Uh-huh. I mean, there's some some good stuff there. The Reform Pubcast. Oh, that's a good okay. One. Hold on. Uh, I have such bad news about this. They they just uh, posted something that they're saying they're going on an indefinite hiatus. What? I know. I'm so. I'm like literally. I wanted to cry when I read. Well, that. at least we're getting Calvinist, right? Yeah. So I think All that's right. why they're they're backing off. I see. Nah, that's probably true. I hope they come back. I mean, it's indefinite though. I don't know. what if that means like forever or un, uh, until further announced. notice yeah yeah but huh. makes me nervous man <laughs> they gotta at least get to 200 before they stop yeah right they're Every, like, so like close same podcast gets at least 200 so well what's interesting is I, the average life of a podcast is three years and I oh, think really? they've, they've hit that. We're not going to make that, I don't think. But no, I doubt it. That's all right. I mean, maybe if we come out like every other week, we, we might come close. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. Anyway, so that's... that's uh, I wasn't just, done listening listing my podcast. Oh, now you're pulling out your phone because you can't remember them. Yeah, yeah. Grace to you. Uh-huh. Uh, popcorn Theology. Good yeah. job, Brain. Good, stuff you should but, know. Okay, hold on, hold Reply on. Reply all. Good Ask job, Pastor brain John. Not... Unbelievable. Okay. Uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. Yep. Anything by Vodi Bakum. Okay. And of course... Joe Schmo Theology. Joe Schmo Theology. Can I just say something real quick? So you listed the Village Church, College Park Church, um, Vody Bauckham. Those are not really podcasts as much as they are just streaming awesome. sermons. Like, yeah. they're great, but they don't count as, like, podcasts. Well, I listed, like, 17 other ones that you can listen to. Okay, so. well, really, it was only 15. Be well, happy. 14. <laughs> <laughs> What are we talking so about? Evangelism. Real? Evangelism. All right. Yeah. What, what about evangelism? You should do it. Yes. We so. should do it. 
It's going to be a tough one. Um, what What is evangelism? Let's just get the ball rolling. Sure. Here. Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ uh-huh. with people that don't know him. Now, would you say that everyone is an evangelist or only a few people are evangelists? Or it's, you know... Like, um, as far as believers are concerned? Uh, or everyone? Sure. I mean, I would say... Take, every, take it in whatever direction you I would know. say everyone's a worshiper, uh-huh. but not everyone is necessarily an evangelist, I don't think. I think that any believer has the uh, explicit command to go and make disciples. Um, so I think that that is... Um, I think in that sense, every believer should be evangelizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's that's my thought. Yeah, I, I think... <clears throat> Yeah, everyone is an evangelist, whether you're an unbeliever or a believer. And I'm using that term differently than sharing the gospel. I'm using it in a sense that you talk ev- about what you're everyone about. advocates and talks about sure. and recommends things that they love right. and things that they desire. And so as Christians, what should our greatest love and our greatest desire be? It is to be with Jesus. Right. And it is to see other people with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So um, just condensing it more into Christianity... Everyone should be evangelizing the thing that they most love. Sure. And the thing that we should most love is Christ. Right. Right. So that that's uh, a couple thoughts on that. What uh, scripture proofs, if any, can you think of I mean, when we talk about evangelism? Yeah, obviously there's the Great Commission, right. Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. Um, then you have uh, Romans, I think it's 10. Um, maybe it's Romans 14 that says, how will they know unless they hear? How will they hear unless they are sent? You know, that kind of thing. So go and make disciples. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Right. Um, off the top of my head, you have First Peter 2 that says, uh, 2, 9, it says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people of his own possessions, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has uh, called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Uh, so that was he, literally off the top of his head, guys. He memorized the whole book of Peter, First Peter. Yeah, I'm still rusty on some of it. Though. Yeah, but I'm still impressed, and I like to brag about you. Thanks, man. I'm evangelizing yeah, for yeah. you. In a and uh, then there's Ephesians six nineteen, where um, Paul is asking for prayer, um, saying, "Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel." Um, and you read Paul's letters, and he's constantly, um, you know, encouraging that from other people too. So. Uh, those are off the top of my head. The first ones that come yeah. to mind. So. Well, so I think I think that's good. Um, you know, I always have a word document when we do this because I like to be a little bit. Because you're more prepared than I am. Well, <laughs> if I, like I'm not as good at rolling off the top of my head as you are. So I think let's let's camp out here a little bit on the commands or the command that God gives us to evangelize. And you had mentioned the Great Commission. So sure. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, Matthew 28 and then uh, Mark 16, which are basically the same thing. Synoptics. Synoptics. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, so this is Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, 11, not 12, because Judas was gone, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted, which I, I think is just incredible. With it, that these people see the resurrected Jesus, and you have some people doubting. Yeah. Um, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And this is Mark 16. Afterward, he appeared to the, to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, 
Go into all the world and proclaim to the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes is bat and bat is bat. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So, it, just a couple things to note. One, um, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, we are literally going out and proclaiming the victor, and. Oftentimes, we have great fear when it comes to sharing the gospel, but we should know that we're on the winning side here right. because all authority in heaven on earth has been given to Jesus. So we're called to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them. So one thing that when it comes to evangelism, we think that the only way to evangelize people is to do street evangelism. And we'll talk about different methods here sure. later on. Yep. But a, a big part of evangelism... Um, is the follow-up, is yeah. the follow-through, and, and the teaching and the making of disciples. And uh, the, the passage in Mark, you've got Jesus rebuking people for their unbelief and sure. for their hardness of heart. So you are going to have people who are, are um, unbelieving yeah. and, and not listening to the things that you say, but Jesus is going to rebuke them. And hopefully they'll be elect and there'll be people who uh, Jesus has died for. But we, we definitely see explicit commands where uh, we are told to go and proclaim the gospel to sure. all types of people in all times at all places. Right. Indiscriminately. Indiscriminately. Exactly. Yep. So you, you think of the parable of the seed and the sower, right, where the sower just casts the seed down indiscriminately on the soil, mm-hmm. right? And it's, it's God the one who, who causes the growth. But I think uh, an, another thing to think about is um, we live in a very pluralistic society where people say, you know, all roads lead to heaven. Right. Um, you, you believe you're Jesus, I believe my thing, and, and we're all going to end up in heaven. Sure. Right? But is that consistent with Scripture? No. No. So what uh, Scripture reference would you think of? I mean, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, I am the door. Unless someone enters through me, right. they cannot see God. Like those... He makes those those statements about himself all throughout the book of John right. um, that he is the only way, um, and I think that's a I think that's a really good point because not this last Saturday but the last time I was out doing street evangelism I talked with this guy um, who was like yeah that's all well and good but you know we're all going to end up in the same uh-huh. place anyway I think he was Muslim um, and one thing came to mind from a book I read from David Platt a few years ago was he used the example um, when he was talking with. Uh, I don't remember what religion he was talking with, but he basically used the example. He said, so you believe that God is at the top of this mountain, right? And that it doesn't matter what path you take, paths being like different religions, whatever. It doesn't matter what path you take. We're all eventually going to end up at the top of the mountain with God, right? As long as you make it up there, as long as you do enough and get there. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, And he said, well, what if I told you that the God on top of the mountain came down, you know, came down to you, that he is the only way. Um, that there is no other path to him other than through the finished work of Christ. Like so, right. so Jesus makes those claims about himself um, through the Book of John, and and it's very offensive to our society um, that it's <laughs> that it's the only way. But, right. Well, and something you said that I thought was interesting about uh, the gentleman you talked to being a Muslim, you think, and that's not really consistent with with Muslim beliefs. But sadly, it's not consistent with many Christians either. Right. Like you, you talk to Christians, and and they they don't think evangelism is important because they have that pluralistic mentality that, sure. that people are going to go to heaven um, because they're genuine. Right. Um, you think of, I mean, I don't, the Pope is not Christian, but this the Pope said a couple years ago when he was first uh, inaugurated, I suppose, that genuine atheists will be in heaven with us. 
Yeah. And it's like, well, he may be with you, but he won't be with, <laughs> right, with us. So I, I think it's it's very important <coughs> for us to realize that we serve the one and only one who can reconcile people to God. Absolutely. Right. And I think it's good for us. Uh, this may be a little application that, that is good for you and I, and it's good for anybody listening. You, you need to know your city. You need to know the area that you live in. And you need to know yeah. what people believe so oh, yeah. you can talk to them. So, for instance, I just found out fairly recently we have, within a five-mile radius, there is a Unitarian church. Um, there is a yep. um, abandoned building that um, some Muslims just bought, so we're getting a mosque here soon. Nice. There is a uh, Kingdom Hall, Jehovah's Witness. Yep area there is a i don't and i don't know anything about them but they're called the baha'i um faith the baha'i baha'i yeah b-a-h-a-i um i need to learn about them aren't they the burmese i have no idea chin congregation i literally have no okay. idea. no they're definitely not a christian congregation all right interesting yeah I'm um sure. so i'm reading a book called king of the colts which kind of gives a um overview of, of their beliefs and um contrast it with Christianity and everything. But the point is, we serve the only one who can reconcile with us to God. And we need to know what the people around us believe so that we can lovingly and intelligently engage them and and, um, put the work into it, put put the love into it, saying, hey, I love you enough to study what pitfalls and what honestly evil you believe in. I don't worry about me talking about But the evil that they're, they're hung up on so you can dismantle that and not just dismantle it, but replace it with the truth of Christianity. Replace it with Jesus. Right. right. And I think alongside that, though, you want to let them, you want them to spell out exactly what they believe. Mm-hmm. Because if someone came up to me and started making general assumptions about Christian beliefs, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to differ with a lot of other Christians on certain doctrines, you know. And um, so Muslims are the same way. Um, Catholics are the same way. Like, not everyone... <laughs> Not everyone holds to historic, you know, Roman Catholic teachings or dogmas or the Marian dogmas or whatever. So, you know, it just depends. So you want them to spell out exactly what they believe, but you also want to have an understanding kind of where they're coming from and the historic uh, beliefs that that church would hold to or that religion would hold to because that really does help you navigate the waters and then prepare for it too so that you can point them to scripture where where scripture would would, uh, contradict what their specific belief would be. So it's helpful. And I know I was just plugging podcasts earlier, like out of the blue, but the dividing line is a really good podcast to listen to when you're trying to deal with Catholics or Muslims or whatever else, because there's a lot of debates on there and he does a lot of interaction with, with other people. So it, it does help kind of get a general understanding. Yeah. Yeah. James White's the man. So, uh, just continuing on, I think it's also helpful for us to remember that when we evangelize, we have the power of the Holy spirit it is the Holy Spirit who is working through us to um, redeem his people. So you think of the book of Acts and you think where, where Jesus is kind of giving the disciples the last pep talk, if you will, before his ascension. And he says this in Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so as, as Jesus ascends and you continue to read the book of Acts and chapter two and everything, you have Pentecost, you have the Holy Spirit coming down like a great wind and everyone feels it and, and knows it. And then the apostles start to preach and everyone hears it in their own language. And you see um, 
even as you continue to read the book of Acts, you see the gospel proclaimed in Jerusalem, and then it goes to Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the other most parts of the earth, and it just explodes. And it's the, the, the witness and the power of the Holy Spirit that that's working. So mm-hmm. um, when we talk about Christians needing, you and I, and, and everyone listening, needing to go out and share the gospel, we really need to get over ourselves. Oh, yeah. And, and realize that... Um, First of all, we're not the ones who save people. And second of all, God's given us the, the tool, um, the Holy Spirit, to, to work and to speak and, and to promote his truth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you read a passage on Saturday that I think is applicable to this mm-hmm. um, in 1 Corinthians sixteen seventeen and 18, where it says, I did, not, or, I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. Okay, that's not it. 17. It's uh, chapter 2. Chapter 2. Beginning of chapter 2. All right. Uh, No, this is it. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's not dependent upon our eloquent words, um, our argumentation, like those kind of things. It's good to be prepared, and it's good to be uh, able to, to communicate what you believe in a you know concise way and um, that's all helpful so i'm not saying don't prep at all but it's not dependent upon you right and then it also says that the word of the cross is falling to those who are perishing right so our, our message is is confusing like to people they're not going to understand it unless the spirit first opens their eyes because it goes on to say <clears throat> but to us who are being saved it is the power of god right so those who god is calling to himself He's opening their eyes, and the Spirit is the one doing the work, not your eloquent words or how well you you argue, those kind of things. Sure, sure. I think we can often get into the mindset that evangelism is good, and there's going to be people who will do it, or you even know people who do it, and so you say to yourself, I don't need to do it. Yeah. Right, and so, so this is what Jesus says in Matthew 9, 37, 38. He says, Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Yeah. So he, here we have Jesus saying, look, there are plenty of people who need my gospel, who need to hear this truth. Absolutely. Right? There's a lot of work to do. Where are the laborers at? Where are my people at who need to go out and who need to take the cysts and who need to cut through the wheat fields and who need to harvest this grain? Where, where are they? And so he's, he's calling people to one to go out and do it. But two, I, I, I understand that not everyone is gifted in this way, so I'm not saying everyone needs to go out and do street evangelism, but what everyone needs to do is they need to be praying that the Lord would send out laborers into his harvest. And I think that, I don't think you're excused from doing evangelism either. Right. We'll, um, we'll talk about that. Yeah, but yeah absolutely. But, but you are called to do evangelism, so you're called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we know that out of the overflow of the heart, you're going to speak. Like whatever you're passionate about is what's going to come out of your mouth. So if you're a huge fantasy football guy, you're going to talk about fantasy right. football. Unfortunately, um, you know. And, and if you're if you're if you're in love with the Lord, like you're going to talk about the Lord. You know. So you're not excused from that. But I think there are different ways. Like for instance, do you think that the Great Commission to go to all nations is for the disciples or for everyone? It's for everyone. I think it's for everyone to go to all nations. I think it's for everyone to proclaim the gospel. <clears throat> right. So all nations is to his disciples, but his disciples are you and me. Right. Right. So it's not just to the 11. Right. 
it's to his disciples. And that's what I think, too. I don't think that it's a universal command for everyone to go overseas. Right. But I think it is a universal command for all believers and followers of Christ to evangelize. Uh, Dude, so I was at the Gospel Coalition Conference earlier this year, and there was an organization called Scatter. Scatter! Scatter! (laughs) Which, uh, it it seemed like a really great idea. The guy who was... um, Manning the booth was really aggressive and was somewhat off-putting. But he comes up to me. He's like, hey, so what do you do? I was like, oh, I'm in landscaping. He's like, okay, okay. Why can't you go landscape in another country? Share the gospel there. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here. Uh, yeah. Family's here. Church is here. I'm doing you know, ministry here. Yeah, but you could go somewhere else. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, but I'm not. Take this book and go read it and just pray about it. And just pray about you know, going to the landscaping other countries and, and preaching the gospel there. Okay, dude. All right, thanks. Yeah. So his, his motivations were good. But somewhat misguided. Yeah, I and I think that, I mean, I honestly think that if you're going overseas to be a missionary, that bringing an occupation oh, yeah. that is relevant to the culture Absolutely. is the way to do it, honestly. Absolutely. Um, my, bring, my point was yeah. not everyone is. Exactly. Because, right. you know, for instance, I've been on I've been on several short-term mission trips. There are good and bad that come with short-term mission trips. We will talk trips. about that someday, I'm sure. We have, to, we have to have a podcast on that. Oh, we will, yeah. We have to. Uh, but one of the things I realized was, um, even though I was in both places I've gone, have been um, English has been the second language so you can have conversations with people but there's still a language barrier in a lot mm-hmm. of ways like most of your conversations are just good enough to be awkward so one of the El thi- baño <laughs> right exactly <laughs> um, so so what I what I learned was wow short-term mission trips have purpose in some ways but in other ways when you're going out there and you're like oh we're gonna make disciples really hard to do when you don't speak the language so mm-hmm. and, and you don't know the culture like uh-huh. a lot of these places have totally different cultures so one of the things i started doing when i would go down to these places um was really just trying to encourage the believers that i knew there um to you know just just in their walk in general but also to reach their people and then i get on the plane and i start coming home and i'm like wow adam like how well are you doing that like who's mm-hmm. better to reach the people of Indianapolis than someone who's lived there his entire life right. speaks the native tongue and knows the culture. Like, how are you doing with this, Adam? You know, mm-hmm. it was a huge, like, convicting moment. Um, so I don't know that going overseas is always the way to do it. Um, America needs missionaries. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Rabbit trail. You know, you still like need a drink. I'm kind of getting over a cold. Yeah. So. yeah. so, anyways, when we think about um, God and how, how he saves sinners... We see that primarily he uses the preaching of his word. So you, you referenced this earlier, but I'm going to go ahead and read um, Romans 10, 11 through 15. Uh, this is what Paul says. How then will they call on him and whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him and who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So this is what Paul is saying. You know, people aren't believing. How come? Well, they're not believing because they never heard. Why aren't they not? They're not hearing because people aren't preaching. And he's saying, how can they preach if they're not sent? And so, so what he's saying is, primarily, God uses the the proclamation of His gospel audibly. People speaking, people hearing, to convert and regenerate the heart. Absolutely. Okay. So there, there's this saying, which I hate. And it goes, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. And I just want to smack whoever said that. And I've heard it's attributed to Luther. Don't believe it. I've heard it's attributed to Spurgeon. Don't believe it. I don't know where it came from. All all I know is it's not of of the Bible. (laughs) It's really not. Right. 
And, and, and I think that the person who said that was probably trying to communicate that your life should reflect that of sure. the life of Christ. Sure. But really an error when you're saying don't use words. Well, <laughs> so, it, it, honestly, I think, I think it's a confusion of special revelation and natural revelation. Because when you, when you look at natural revelation, which basically is um, people know that God exists through creation. Right. You know, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, the sky above us, proclaim his handiwork, Dave, blah, blah, blah. Sure, sure. And you've got other places where you can just you can just look at how this world is constructed, and you, you know that there's a creator now. We know from Romans 1, people suppress that truth and unrighteousness. Right. Okay. The, the knowing that there is a higher power through creation is not enough to save you. Sure. What it does is it condemns you to hell. Right. It, it makes your punishment more severe because you know that there's a creator. Right. And and so when you say preach the gospel, if necessary, use words, you're talking about natural revelation, which is good and it's wonderful and it's beautiful. And so as you were saying, you know, we are to carry the aroma of Christ. People need to know that we are Christians, right? Yeah. The, the main mark that we know, that people know that we're Christians and people know that um, Jesus came from the Father is our love for one another. Right. Okay. I just read a wonderful book by uh, Francis Schaeffer on that. Uh, phenomenal excellent but if you're not preaching the word it's it's worthless or if someone's not preaching the word it's it's worthless so preach the gospel use words because it's necessary (laughs) (laughs) right exactly 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 okay um you want to play a game uh, do you have other things? Can we do five more minutes of this? Yeah, in the go play for it. Game? Yep. Because I, I want to mention um, at the end of this, in, in verse 15, he says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And when you look at that and you compare it with um, Galatians 6, with the armor of God, what are the, what are the feet? They're, they're the shoes of peace, right? So we are armed with all these things for fighting, but our main goal, the things that get us there the shoes that we're wearing should be shoes of peace to bring people to jesus mm-hmm. right so and it says how beautiful are the feet of those and as you think about how god saved you and and the people that he used to communicate his truth to you you have a deep love for those people mm-hmm. and i mean you and i can think of people who taught us sunday school who we would disagree with drastically in theology right now but we have a deep love and respect for those people because they, they pointed us to Jesus. Right. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's and that's what it says. How beautiful are the feet. Yeah, exactly. I, and 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 it has to be done with love too. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that the one thing that's good that's communicated in that quote that you were talking about, preach the gospel, sometimes use words, is that it communicates that your life is to be marked by love and godliness. Mm-hmm. Um, because preaching the gospel without love is just a clanging song or symbol and banging symbol a clinging gong, gong. Say, yeah gong. it's gong you know so so it needs to be done with with love too and and i think aaron and i both appreciate the people who have done that for us um even with just the the basics of christianity even if we would disagree on some do- doctrinal issues mm-hmm. like they really did point us to christ and we were both are appreciative of that mm-hmm. so yeah I got, I got one more yep then we can do this game okay so one, one thing that we also see in scripture is that when we share the gospel it, it it is a means of sanctification. It, it is a way that God uses to grow his people. So when you look at Philemon um, verse 6, it says, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So there's going to be moments where you're talking about the gospel. And 
you learn something or, or you learn something that you don't know. And so you have to go learn it and, and you cultivate and develop a deeper knowledge and a deeper love of the God who saved us. So it's, it, it's vital for our sanctification. And oftentimes you'll go out and you'll share the gospel with someone and you'll be astonished by the things that you said. You're like, I had no idea. Yeah. I, I didn't even mean to communicate that. Mm. But you just feel um, so encouraged and you, and you end with like this super spiritual high yeah. that I can't even describe it, but it's, it's incredible. And I think part of that is just preaching the gospel to yourself. Yeah. You know, you're just being encouraged by the truth that you know. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. And, and I mean, another thing is when you, when you are intentionally sharing the gospel, it hopefully is keeping you from sin. Sure. You know, one, cause you're doing something <laughs> right. other than sinning, but two, especially if you have designated times where you're going out with other Christians, you're like, I, I want to sin right now, but I've got to go out and preach the gospel. I can't, I can't let this sin get in the way. Yeah. Right, so I mean that's that's my own personal experience. That's not entirely no, that's what true. this is saying, but leading it's, up to it, yeah. it's easier to put temptation away from you because you know that sin creates a chasm between you and God, and mm-hmm. there's your relationship is hindered by living in sin and that kind of thing. And you're like, well, I know I won't be equipped at all when yeah. I go out and talk to people. Yeah. But then there's that also aftermath of coming back and being like, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Right. Everything yep. I just said, other side of the coin. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to live out hypocrisy here. And all of that should be rooted in a love for Christ, right. you know, as is. I mean, it shouldn't just be this guilt trip that you're going on, but there is some accountability that yeah. comes with it. Yeah, and I, I know there's probably people listening like, okay, well, you could get puffed up with pride by doing this as true. well. And that's, that, guys, that's totally true. I, I fully believe that. But the gospel humiliates us in the most beautiful way. Right. And that we are nothing. And right. so the gospel really should, if properly applied, keep you from pride. Yeah. Um, but it's a temptation out there. Yeah. So. Well, and I know that's true, too. I think your theology also plays a lot into that because I think if you're feeling somewhat responsible for your own salvation, that there can be an air of pride there that mm-hmm. comes. But um, when we were praying before we went out on Saturday, uh, it was a resounding theme that mm-hmm. we all know that we're dirt and yep. that like without Christ removing the scales from our eyes, that we're all in the same predicament of needing someone to come evangelize us, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and there was nothing of us. It was none of our decisions. It was all because of what Christ has done. And so, like, that's a really humbling, humbling thought and experience. And it's really encouraging to be around other believers who are, um, who are reminding you of our dependence. Sure. So, sure. So let's play a game, and then afterwards, maybe we can talk about different methodologies yeah. of evangelism, and Absolutely. maybe hopefully give some people more encouragement <clears throat> to evangelize. All right. Well, you put me through a quiz last time we met. I don't like where this is going. This is different. Okay. Because this is not a real quiz. Okay. Um, what is it then? It's also something that I put together. So basically, are I, the answers right? Yes. Are they though? Yes. Are you sure? Except for one. <laughs> uh, wow. Oh no. Did you delete it? Oh no. You deleted it. Hold didn't on. You? Give me a second. I think I sent it to myself again. Okay. So Adam's got his phone on. Yep. His so here we go. Quiz. All right. So uh-huh. this is what I did. Okay. I went and I found a bunch of different quotes from a bunch of different people. Okay. And I made a multiple joy- choice quiz out of it. So I'm going to read you a quote. Oh, you worked a lot harder for this than and I did. And you have to tell me who said it. Okay. Okay? All right. I expect eight points out of this. There are ten questions. Each each question is worth one point. You need to get eight to pass. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Eighty percent to pass? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You get two points if you can tell me who said it before I read you the multiple choice options. Okay, so potentially I can get 20 points. Potentially you could. Okay. Yeah, so there are 20 points on the table. Okay. You need eight to pass, All right. ten questions. Okay. 
I like this. Okay, you get one point if you if I read you the options. You get two points. Okay, well don't don't read point. the options immediately. Let me think about it. First. All right. Okay. Quote number one. Yes. We are dead because Adam watched his bride die. Oh no! Partook in her death and blame shifted. We're alive because Jesus watched his bride die, partook in her death and blame shifted. Oh, dude, that's every reformed pastor. Come on. Do you know who it is? I, I, it sounds like a Chandler thing, but I gotta let you read the options. Wow. Okay, I didn't even list Chandler on here. Shame on me. There's a lot of people I didn't list on here that I. Okay, really so good. To. That rules Chandler out completely. I ran out of time. Uh, so option A, okay. Joe Thorne. Joe Thorne. B, Les Lamphier. C, Charles Spurgeon. Oh, dude, it's Les. Or D, C.S. Lewis. It's Les. Final answer? Final answer. One point. Yes! Boom! Mark, mark it down. Mark it down. Mark, I have nothing to mark it down. All right, fine. We'll keep, keep trying. How, how prepared are you? All right, all right, hang on. Let me put a little tick on my word doc. Like I, I told you, this is going to be one that you should nail out tick. of the park. The only reason that I knew that one is because you put that on your Facebook post. Mm-hmm. I would, I never would have known that that was him. Yeah, that was the one that I was trying to find. That I was Which, by about. the way, he is one of the hosts of Reform Pub. I suggest everyone listen to it. Even though they're on a hiatus right now, go back and listen to all their stuff. It's fantastic. They went from Reform Baptist to Presbyterian. Just saying. It's awesome. Awesome. Okay. Yep, they'll come back. Uh, number two. <laughs> so my workout today totaled 106, or 1,611 calories. Can I get an amen from the KJVOs? Hold on. I'll say read it, it, again. it again. So my workout today totaled 1,611 Oh, dude, that seems white. It's got to be white. Can I get an amen from the KJVOs? It's got to be white. It is James. Boom! White. That's three points. Three points. Perfect. Oh, almost perfect score so far. All right, here we go. This one might be a little bit harder. Okay. But it was also on my Facebook a few months ago, so maybe you, you know, if you pay attention to me. Okay. All right. Wow. <clears throat> You're so needy. Pay attention to me. Uh, Poor Hannah. For a Christian body is not very greatly terrified at clubs, seeing all its hope is in the wood. Okay. That's... For a Christian body is not very greatly terrified at clubs, seeing all its hope is in the wood. I don't even know what that means. Like in the wood of, cro- of the cross. Like you're not worried about persecution because Christ has already taken it. Okay, okay, all right. Um, it's probably someone old. Go ahead and read them. It is. Uh, all right, so here are the options. Uh-huh. Cyprian, <laughs> Augustine, Clement of Alexandria, or Origen. Oh, dude, this is definitely something you Googled. Actually, it's something I heard on a podcast. Okay. I'm Cyprian, gonna... Augustine, Clement of Alexandria, or Origen. I'm just going to go with Augustine because he's the only person I've actually read a book by. Dang it! It's Cyprian. <laughs> okay, whatever. All right. Yeah, Cyprian. You act like you know what you're talking about. You have no idea. All right, all right. Name, name where Cyprian is from. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know anything about Cyprian. I don't either. So, back off. <laughs> how about, how about, how about Gulprian? Because <laughs> Cip, Gulp, Cip. Okay. Number four. <laughs> dad jokes. I can do them because I'm a dad. I don't even get it. All right. Sip. Okay, hold on. Look. <laughs> Oh, uh, gulp. Sip, gulp, like Gulbrian. Wow, that was worse than I thought. Man, it was. that was see, mm. that was painful for me to. Have to <laughs> that was painful for me to listen to. <sighs> All right, I think four. it's more funny you didn't get it. Number four. A dog barks when his owner is attacked. Uh huh. Not I my would, dog. Okay. Well, can my I read, dog runs and whips. Can I read the quote, please? Yeah. A dog barks when his owner is attacked. Mm-hmm. I would be a coward if I saw God's truth being attacked and yet remain silent. Oh, boom! Great quote. Yep. This is for evangelism, people. Yep. I have no idea who said that. Okay. Read it off, You though. get to guess between four Johns. Oh, no. John Huss. Okay. John Knox. It's not Huss. John Calvin or John Owen. Okay. It's definitely one of the last. Huss, Knox, Calvin, or Owen. It's not Huss. 
because uh, he was burned at the stake. Yeah, for singing, <laughs> for singing actually. Because he wanted to incorporate congregational singing into the liturgy. That's not the only thing, though. That's he was, part a lot of, of it, his though. stuff was super counter, uh, contradictory to the Catholic Which Church. Which they didn't have congregational singing. Right, but that was just one of like many things. Yeah, but it was, I'm just saying it's a big thing. It's totally applicable and, to him. I don't and, know why you're ruling him out. And he died while he was, like, as he was burned at the stake. He was singing them psalms, buddy. Okay. Singing cool. them psalms. Psalms. Well, we'll actually, talk about that next week. they tried to, they tried to, like, bind his mouth so he couldn't sing okay but he was mumbling it and then once the flames burned it off he was start he was singing like the oh guy was gosh. awesome he's that incredible is awesome. all right read the quote again and tell me who they are <clears throat> a dog barks when his owner is attacked uh-huh. i would be a coward if i saw god's truth being attacked and yet remain silent okay i don't john even read Huss, it i'm just gonna go knox, i'm gonna calvin, go i'm gonna that sounds like a knox thing it's not knox. Dang it! john calvin crap <clears throat> calvin's got a lot of good i books. almost said calvin I thought about picking like a really easy one, like our our hearts are idol factories, but I was like, ah, pfft, no. Yeah, that was Calvin. <clears throat> All right, here we go, number five. Uh huh. Fate rarely calls upon us. Optimus Prime. Two. Why did you know that so quickly? Because it's an awesome quote. All right. He's, it's it's in it's in the third one. It is. Fate so, rarely calls upon us at the moment of our choosing. Sam. I need the, And I, then the following scene, Sentinel, Sentinel Prime <laughs> is going nuts. And the Decepticon... Okay. So I knew you were going to get that. I wasn't sure you were going to get it right away. But uh, I, I knew when I read my options that you would know. I put Teddy Roosevelt, <laughs> Optimus Prime, Winston Churchill. I thought Churchill. these were like theological quotes. Not all of them. All right. Okay. Yeah, just, you know, couldn't you see, like, Winston Churchill or Teddy Roosevelt saying that? In an Optimus Prime voice, maybe. Okay. all right, so, you're a nerd. <laughs> That's been established. <laughs> all right, number six. <clears throat> Even if I knew tomorrow the world would go to pieces, I would still plant my apple tree. Was that Martin Luther, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Steve Martin, Steve Martin, Martin. <laughs> Martin Luther King, or George Washington? I feel like you read five people. I did. Okay, right, read, read them again. Even if I knew tomorrow the world would go to pieces, I would still plant my apple tree. Okay. Martin Luther, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Steve Martin, Martin Luther King, I think I'm gonna or go George with, Washington. I think I'm go with Martin Luther. <laughs> it is Martin Woo! Luther. Yeah. Nice. I tried to throw you there with something that wasn't like secret. I thought you were going to say like Johnny Appleseed. That would have been a good one. I, I threw George Washington in there just for the heck of it. Yeah. You know, because he you know, didn't cut down a cherry tree. Well, no. you said apple tree, so. Yeah, I know. I, good I, job I, for the stupid. I just realized that it was a cherry tree. Way to go, dummy. That. All right, cool. Actually, that's not even in my list. I just added it just now. Oh, so you're <laughs> that's cheating. Why, that's why there were five. So you're cheating now. <clears throat> Number seven. Uh, <laughs> the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort. But where he stands in suffering. Moments of challenge and controversy. Okay. All right, give me the names. Martin Luther, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Steve Martin, Martin Luther King. I'm going to go with uh, Lloyd-Jones. Wrong. Ah! Martin Luther King. I. You know what? I should have known that. You should have known that. I should have known that. Racist. All right, number eight. <laughs> okay. What? Number eight. Uh, uh, the most vital question to ask about all who claim to be a Christian is this. Have... They a soul that thirsts for God. Do they long for this? Is there something about them that tells you that they are always waiting for the next manifestation of Himself? Is their life centered on Him? Does this quote end? Nope. Oh my Can word. they say with Paul that they forget everything in the past? Do they press forward more and more that they might know Him and that the knowledge might increase until eventually, beyond death 
in the grave, they may bask eternally in sunshine of his face, that I might know him. Was it Martin Luther, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Steve Martin, Martin Luther King? Why do you keep throwing Steve Martin in there? He was the only other Martin Isn't I Isn't he like the, 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 like the actor? Yeah. Okay. I'd say I read the quote again, but I don't feel like being here for another three years. Um, I'm going to go with Lloyd-Jones. Nice. Yes! See, that's my test-taking skills, yep. because the last yeah. two were Luther. No, it was easy. Luther. That's what I'm saying. Okay, all right. Luther, Lloyd-Jones, and... How many do I have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Ooh, how many questions I have left? Oh, you're going to get this. You'll nail it. You have two questions left, but okay. you're going to nail it. Okay. <clears throat> all right. Over the years, I have learned that a confident person doesn't focus or concentrate on their weaknesses. They maximize their strength. Is it Joel Osteen? Kenneth Copeland, what? Joyce Myers, or T.D. Jakes. How would you? Why would you say I would nail this? I would have like all. Four I mean, you're of gonna those get eight. Good. Is what I'm saying. You're gonna get eight. Okay. Points. All right. Because number ten is a give me. Re- read it again. All right. Over the years, I have. No, learned... you had an accent the first time, which was helpful. Over the years, now you changed. It. I have learned that a confident person doesn't focus or concentrate on Dang weaknesses. Oh, you're giving me all of them. They maximize their strength. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. <laughs> All right, was that the real, like, uh, accent? Nope, I just threw a bunch in there. Oh, options are no. Osteen, Kenneth Copeland, <laughs> Joyce Meyer, or TDJ. Dude, I'm going to go with Joyce. Nice. Got All it. Right. That's eight, right? Yeah, I want to know this last question. All right. Don't answer yet, because okay. it's going to come back to bite you. Okay, all right. It's not who you are underneath. It's what you do that defines you. Master Chief, Optimus Prime... Batman or Bruce Wayne? It's Bruce Wayne. Nice. I was hoping you'd say Batman. <laughs> so that's it. You got nine points. I make my own luck. Congratulations. Such a great movie. Yep. So isn't that isn't that right before he goes to like fight the Joker? Probably. I think it was in the first movie. No way. Really? I thought it was. I looked at the highlight today or the whatever it was highlight i watched some sports <laughs> the the video because uh, i couldn't remember like who said it I was who like, was the villain Batman, or was it bruce way who was the villain i don't know it didn't say dang it adam yeah what he's talking with rachel so which rachel blonde rachel okay so that's the first one then. yeah because they changed blonde. the actress yeah rachel rachel all right so that's my game let her go holy choice of Okay, I love that movie, but that's the dumbest scene. That's in that the whole dumbest. Movie. Scene. He literally falls, jumps like, off of a like building, sixteen stories, and s- mm. more like sixty stories. <sighs> yeah, it's a lot. Onto a car. Come on, Nolan, you're such a great filmmaker. And she was okay too, wasn't she? She was fine. Yeah, she was fine. She's like, like, let's never do that again. Right, exactly. It's I like, don't know if I could fall sixty stories. I do it all the time. Like, like he caught her and she landed on him or something. And they like, fell in a taxi. Yeah. So what about the taxi driver? What about the metal plated armor that she got crushed into? Then where did Joker go after that? Right. They don't even show anything. Seriously. Okay. Problems. All right. Somebody needs to evangelize that movie. That's rough. So, well, we'll get into that. Okay. Um, let's talk about methods. That was fun, by the way. Okay. Thanks. Glad you liked let's it. talk about uh, methods of evangelism. What methods are there? All right. Adam? So the first one uh-huh. would be street preaching. Right, I, I would say I would say the first one actually is okay. We're gonna go in <laughs> chronological you, order. You know, well, <laughs> preaching the gospel, doing evangelism is good, but I think that's only necessary. What what really needs to be is how you live your life. 
mm. how, how people see you interact and everything. So, like, if, if you're a bank teller and you just punch those numbers and they go, mm, look at how they punch those numbers and they must be a Christian. Yeah, I'm going to be the best street sweeper I can be. Right. Yeah. Which is, okay, I'm making fun of this. That's true. Okay, listen. <laughs> Whatever your occupation is, do all to the glory of God. Yeah. Sorry, so I, was, I was making fun of different ways that aren't really evangelism it's just christian living people yeah christian living Jeez. be righteous all right street, that's the greatest street thing you evangelism be righteous so street evangelism uh-huh. is the Which, first thing that? i think of just in case people don't know going out on the street and evangelizing random people right you see so like so sometimes that's just having conversations with strangers uh-huh. sometimes that's standing on the corner uh like Bariado did the other day um, that's street preaching. Street preaching. Street evangelism, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, okay. but there's, so, there's, there's, there's genres and subgenres. All right, all right. So that's my definition of it. Isn't that... Phylum. <laughs> phylum. Genus. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> this is falling off the rails quick. <laughs> um, so then there's, I think, I don't know how I would classify it, but like natural day-to-day interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, God brings people across your path all the time that need to know about him. Um, so just looking for those interactions and taking advantage of them. Right. I think, so, um, I don't know how careful how I word this because I can get in trouble with some people. There is a particular social spot where people gather to fellowship socially with... The church. No. No, no, no. no. With uh, beverages and things of those nature. Right. Um, beverages. Uh-huh. Where would that be? So... Coffee shop. Starbucks. Coffee shop. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. Yes. Places <laughs> like coffee shops that right. don't serve coffee. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. So anyways, I'll give you a story. Okay. Right. So, so we've been coffee We've been going to this not coffee, coffee shop. shop. <laughs> sure. We can call it the coffee shop. <laughs> You're at the coffee We're shop. Up, I'm at the coffee shop, and I've been going to this coffee shop with some friends of mine every Wednesday because they have free pool at this coffee, coffee shop. shop. Um, and we've been going for a few months now. And there's a there's this guy who's also been going, and I um, haven't really talked to him before, but I've seen him. Do you so, guys get, like, cold brews at the coffee shop? They're exclusively cold brews. Cold brews. I like those better in the summertime, there's most of the time. <laughs> the cold brews. Okay, so anyways... <laughs> Anyways, I finally got an opportunity to talk with this guy um, last week, and so he comes every week. So we've established, you know, a, a basic acquaintanceship, a basic friendship. Yeah. And so it's it's an intentional friendship to be able to share the gospel at some point. So when you meet at coffee shops, you can't. I mean, you could, but it's not as natural as just coming up to someone and say, "Hey, I'm walking around the city. We're from a local church. We're talking to people about Jesus. Do you have a few minutes?" Right. If I did that with this person, that would totally turn them off. Right. But we're establishing a relationship, a repertoire. I mean, we're at the point where he knows I'm a Christian, um, and things things like that. So we, we had some, you know, some God glorifying conversations. I, I would hope. Right. But but the point is, like what you're saying in your day to day interactions, you need to be looking for those opportunities to be able to preach Jesus into their lives. Yeah. And sometimes you have to be strategic about that. Yeah. Well, that was see, I was going to differentiate that kind of interaction. Mm-hmm. From just the normal, you go to Jiffy Lube to get your oil changed or something, and you start talking to, with somebody. To Jiffy Lube. Right, whatever. <laughs> um, I'm not sure why air quotes were in there. Uh, Especially this podcast, and no one can see them. 
<laughs> anyway, so I just bring that up because I had an interaction like that when I was in Houston. Right. So like that just kind of happened. It's somebody I'm never going to see again, you know. But it was somebody that God brought into my life, and he saw some books I had in the back, and we started talking. Like okay. those kind of interactions, I think, are different than like going knocking on your neighbor's door and saying like, "Hey, you guys want to come over?" And, right. Like you know that kind of thing, and then you start building relationships. But I think that's well. A- I think they're kind of the same thing. It's just one is more long term, where the other is my relationship with you is only going to last half an hour. Yeah, but also I think sometimes there's a difference on who's the uh, who's the aggressor there. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes the Lord brings people across your path, and other times you're intentionally seeking people out. To, you know, I think that sometimes there's there's differences, but mm-hmm. they're kind of the same. It's semantics, honestly. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a really effective way. Our pastor said something a couple of years ago that really just kind of like caught on and now everyone in the church says it. But like those interactions, you're building bridges of grace that support the weight of truth. Like that's the way that, that he phrased it. It just kind of like caught fire. So that's like a slogan now. <laughs> but, um, you know, you, you start building this relationship with somebody. You guys become genuine friends. It's not that you're just like trying to trick them into like the gospel. Like you, you are caring about their soul and you do want to have a relationship with them. But then that leads to trust and that leads to the freedom to be able to talk about more sensitive things uh-huh. that otherwise, you know, sometimes could, people can be uh, put off by, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So, so, I mean, can we <clears throat> classify that as like an intentional friendship? Not, yeah. in, not like a dating way. It sounds stupid, but you know what I mean? <laughs> We're intentional We're friends. intentional friends. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've got the street evangelism. You've got the um, intentional friendships. You've got um, having your gospel radar up just looking for those right um, sure times where you can just give nuggets of truth to people to support the bridge of grace uh bridges of grace that support the weight of okay truth. whatever yeah, yeah. um you've also got door-to-door evangelism which people really uh don't like and when i say people i mean christians because it's way too it's associated with jehovah's witnesses and mormons right but that should not keep us from doing it in fact i would say it should motivate us to do it even more hmm. because you have people who are bringing out damnable heresies and, and lies that will take people straight to the fires of hell. Mm-hmm. And it's happening in our neighborhoods. And we're saying, I don't want to go out and share the truth because I don't want to look like one of those people. And so, so there's, I think for me, it motivates me to do the door to door evangelism, but also I have a friend I do it with and because of that hesitation that, that people have and wanting to distinguish themselves, he dresses like way down, like like basketball yeah. shorts and a dirty t-shirt sure. type of thing, just because he doesn't want to be wearing a suit and stuff, which, right. which you know, Mormons would do and things like that. <laughs> I actually, I got accused of being a Mormon the other day because uh, occasionally I'll go out and I'll stop in at churches uh-huh. and uh, just introduce myself since I work with churches. And I was out with my boss, and we're both we were both dressed in like dark suits with white shirts, uh, <laughs> and, and we were, helmet. No, no, but we were just like <laughs> knocking on churches, and someone legitimately thought we were a Mormon there to evangelize the church. It was really, yeah. it was really interesting. Also, um, this this same friend that I was just telling you about when we were out doing door to door last week, we went to the Kingdom Hall because they were having a, yeah. a meeting there. I don't think I've told you this story. You, yeah. It's gonna blow your mind. So <laughs> we were like poaching the parking lot. The whole time, so we drive around, do door to door, drive back, poach the parking lot, waiting for people to come back. No one did, so we go back and forth. So eventually, like, okay, we'll just go inside and, and see if their uh, service is done or whatever. And so we go in and try to open the door, and it's locked. And so there's this guy in this red suit, like a blazer and pants, not like Santa. And he comes up, he cracks the door open, and say, "Hey, can I can I help you?" I'm like, "Yeah, we're we're just here. We wonder if there's anybody that uh, maybe the leadership or someone would like to talk to us, like have you know, like to talk about Jesus with them." 
And he goes, oh, no, 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 thank you. And he kind of closed the door on us. So we put our foot in the door. And we're like, we're like oh, well, why not? And he goes, we don't talk about Jesus here. And he slams the door shut on us. Whoa. It's like, what? Who are these guys? Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, there are people out there who are blinded by lies yeah. and they need the truth we would like to talk about jehovah with you <laughs> yes does that work can we use that name <laughs> i mean honestly and you may have to be sneaky when it comes to that yeah you might, you might have to um I, I think i hesitate to say this because i don't think primarily the gathering of christians in corporate worship is evangelism it, no. it's primarily worship of god right but it can serve as evangelistic right bringing your non-christian it's not friends. the primary means of right. the church it's it's, it's not, it's not even close and it, when it be we'll talk about this when we do regular principle right. worship sure. but there are huge problems that happen when it becomes a primary oh yeah absolutely yeah we'll definitely talk about that right um but i do think that you know a, a church that is not being seeker sensitive or whatever that's not their motivation um for instance if you invited someone to church that can be a means of evangelism even right. though the church is not there as a primary way to evangelize people right it's, it's, for the it's worship of god's people and it's a way for non-believers to come in and hopefully if you've got a, a good preacher they're going to be hearing the gospel yeah right so i i think that can serve as, as an evangelistic outreach and if anything again this is this would call i guess qualify the long-term relationship yeah absolutely thing sure sure so um, what, what do you think, we're hitting the hour mark here, yep. what, do, what do you think some uh, reservations are that people have, and these are, you know, good, solid, Jesus-loving Christians have about sharing the gospel, doing evangelism, yeah. and things of that nature? Um, I think that the primary thing is is just a fear um, that can be rooted in a lot of different things. Um, and I heard, uh, I think it was Al Mohler talking about this not long ago, mm-hmm. and it kind of was eye-opening even though it should be so obvious part of it like i've always thought fear of rejection right Mm -hmm. or fear of not having the right answer um i think in our culture now the biggest fear is the um the way that the culture has shifted towards everything you you just have to be tolerant about everything Uh um that if you're a christian you're intolerant of everyone else um, you can be tolerant of anything except for an absolute truth, you know, kind of thing. Uh-huh. So um, there's a lot of backlash. There can often be a lot of um, volatile conversations that come from that. Um, and I think that's the biggest fear now is uh, just the fear of dealing with um, someone who who rejects absolutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the big th- three things I think of is, is fear of rejection, fear of not having the answers, um, and just being embarrassed about that, and then the fear of um, just dealing with the intolerance of the culture. Yeah, I think yeah, the, the intellectual paralysis that people have about sharing the gospel is huge. Mm-hmm. Because like, well, I need to read these apologetics books, and I and I need mm-hmm. to know all these verses by heart and everything like that. And it's like you don't; those are good. Yeah. But you and those are things that you should be looking at, and you should be memorizing, and you should be knowing the arguments and knowing, giving a reason for the hope that is within you. Sure. Absolutely. But just because you don't know everything should not keep you from going yeah, out. Because if absolutely. we waited till we knew everything, none of us would go out and evangelize. Yeah, the Apostle exactly. Paul would not have gone out and evangelized. Right. So the intellectual paralysis needs to be put to death. and It needs to be put down. Right. And, and people need to just, just rise up and, and just start Because it's the, the spirit who works through you. Right. It's the spirit that's going to be directing your conversations. Um, and they may not always go great, but you're going to have 
something that comes out of that. Right, right. Um, and, and we have been called to be faithful. We have not been called to win every soul to Christ that we deal with. Um, if that were the case, then Jeremiah's entire ministry was mm-hmm. a complete waste because right. he had like two converts in 40 years, yet he was faithful and continued to proclaim what God told him to proclaim. So um, there's that responsibility that we all have. And um, I think part of it, another thing that I think of is just a fear of our own sin at times. Um, having to go out and evangelize people means that you kind of have to come to grips with your own life as mm-hmm. well. And I think that that's a lot of the reason why people don't pray as much or um, get in the word as much. My pastor, my youth pastor growing up told me, um, and it's a famous quote, he said, either reading this word will keep you from sin or your sin will keep you from reading this word. And I think it's the same with evangelism. Like when you're buried in sin, you're not going to be out evangelizing. Right. Um, so anyway, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that's good. <clears throat> like, like sin sucks. Yeah. Like it, it, sin infects every area of our life. Absolutely. And, and it will keep us from glorifying God the way that we should, the way that we're called to. Um, but again, when, when we look at evangelism, look at the Philemon passage, sharing our faith is effective for full knowledge of every good thing that is for us, uh, that is in us for the sake of Christ. Mm-hmm. So it, it, sin needs to be mortified. It needs to be put to death for so many reasons. It should not keep you from evangelizing. Now, right. if you're, if you're involved in gross sin, um, that, that would keep you from evangelizing, you need to go to your elders mm-hmm. and you need to talk to them and you need to repent of them and you need to experience church discipline in a way that glorifies God and encourages you to come back into the fold. Right. Um, I, I don't suspect that's most people's excuses. Right. I, I think and, most and, people's excuses, they're lazy. Yeah. And the only way to get over that, it's, it's like praying. It's like, well, it's just too hard. I have a hard time focusing. Yeah. Okay, well, just start praying. Yeah. <laughs> Stop reading books about praying and start praying. Right. And same thing with evangelizing. Yeah. There are plenty of people who will go out and just go with them. You don't even have to talk very much. Just just go with them. Spend an hour of your week to do it. It's Guys, you will not regret it. I don't think anybody's going to come back from evangelizing unless you get stoned. In which case, you can rejoice with, you know, I suffered for Christ. And if you get like, stoned, you probably won't come back anyway. Right. Unless you're And Paul. then you go to heaven and it's even better. Yeah, unless you're Paul. <laughs> uh, Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> he will not go down. No, but that's true. So, so we deal with fear. Um, but when you look at, uh, you know, our, our our church went through a series on heaven not too long ago, and the one thing that stuck with me through that series was uh, when our pastor said, "Those who are most uh, useful um, for the cause of Christ were those who thought most about heaven." Yeah. Because when you think about Paul's ministry, like what was it like to to live as Christ but to die as gain, right? Um, what, okay, well, we're going to beat you to death. It was like, oh, okay, well, the sufferings of this present world are nothing to be compared with those of the glories that are going to be revealed. Right. Like, he, there was nothing that you could do to him that he didn't have an answer for because he was so uh, rooted in a knowledge of what was going to come. And just the, um, you know, that, that future perspective as opposed to the temporal perspective. Um, is really helpful when you're doing evangelism. So that's something to consider right. as well. Right. We'll, we'll uh, wrap up the evangelism talk with this, unless you have anything else. I have one other thought. Okay, why don't you give your thought and then I'll... Um, what, would you, what advice would you give to somebody when you're encouraging them to go evangelize? What, would you, what advice would you give them to do that? Well, I think, first of all, um, if we're even talking about going to evangelize, so if someone says to me, hey, I want to go evangelize, but I have these hesitations... I would say, praise God that you're even thinking about wanting to go evangelize. Sure. Like, this is this is a beautiful thing. It's a good thing, and we need to cultivate it. 
right? So this, to me, that would indicate that the spirit is working in your heart. Yeah. Um, so, so that's good. So that's step one. Step two, uh, I would want to know their, their hesitations. And I think primarily it would be fear. Right. Right. Um, and so what I was going to do is I was going to read this passage here and we read this on Saturday, uh, because all of us feel fear when, when you first are, you're, you're going there and, and you're meeting with the other Christians. This is my experience. You just have these butterflies in your stomach. Yeah. You're really nervous. You're kind of like, okay, I have to be here for how long? What excuse can I make for leaving early? Right. Um, things like this is something that literally I deal with every time I go yeah. out, you know, and that's my own sin. That's my own fear. But this is from arguably the greatest evangelist. This is First Corinthians chapter 2. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, so that you've got the intellectual paralysis put to death there. Mm-hmm. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So what you need to know, people, is you need to know the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not uh, in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So that fear that that we feel when we go out and we preach the gospel, that's natural. And that's something that the Apostle Paul dealt with. He even says with fear and trembling, he was shaking because he was so afraid. And yet, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he did it. He showed up. So... My, my call to Christians everywhere is to show up. Yeah. Is to show up. We wonder why our culture is the way it is. It's because we haven't showed up. It's because we've let that fear grip our hearts. And we've retreated. And we've fled into our Christian ghettos. Mm-hmm. And, and we've circled the wagons. And I understand that. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to go out. And we're called to reach the culture. We're called to proclaim the gospel to its people. We're, we're called to transform the culture. Yeah. And and the culture is transformed primarily through the preaching of the gospel. Yeah. It's it's so simple. It's so hard, but it's so simple and it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So it's it's nothing in you. And so that's that's one reason why I, I just love Calvinism so much because when it comes to sharing the gospel, all that pressure is taken off of me. It's not on how sexy of an approach I take to sharing the gospel. It's yeah. not about making an altar call. It's it's not about answering every single objection it's about proclaiming the gospel and allowing the holy spirit to work in the hearts of those people who hear it Mm -hmm. yeah so the last thing i would i would add to that is just uh and this is just for me um so take it with a grain of salt but this is what i would encourage you to do as you prepare to go uh, share the gospel with people Uh, one is is pray pray for yourself Mm-hmm. pray for the people that you're going to be interacting with mm-hmm. because God is going to be working through you and God is going to be preparing the hearts of people that you interact with. Um, so be praying about that. Just bathe yourself in it. Uh, love Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength because what you're passionate about is what is going to come out of your mouth. That's what you're going to be talking about with people. You're going to be loving people more and looking for more opportunities to share Christ with people. Um, I would also say seek their salvation not their confession yep so you don't want to go out there saying like oh just pray the prayer with me just do that just raise your hand throw whatever you you want you want them to understand what the gospel is what the gospel requires of them and then you want to lead them um to christ and you want to help them you know in discipleship those kind of things so don't just seek their confession and walk away and never you know be with them again you're gonna have to follow up with discipleship and seek their salvation um 
communicate love when you're dealing with people. Um, if you don't love them, like I said, you'll be a, a sounding gong and a clanging cymbal. Um, so when you go out there, I, I find that it's really helpful to say that if, if what I know to be the truth is really true and I don't share it with you, that's the most unloving thing that I can do for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so they need to know that you're not just out there trying to be right about things, that you do love them and you need to communicate that to them. And then the last thing I'll say is do not leave your apologetics at home but yeah. keep them in your back pocket. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, you want to communicate the gospel to them. And then as they have questions or reservations, then you can bring out the apologetic card because uh, it is necessary. You know, um, but, but I wouldn't lead off with start talking about you know, the transcendental things, argument. The transcendental argument. argument. Well, how did the universe come out of nothing? You know, that kind right, of stuff. Right. You, know? you, you always want to be getting the conversation back to Jesus. Right. So that those, those are my five quick things that come to my mind that might be helpful. But Yeah. Man, you just brought up a whole bunch of other stuff that I want to talk about, but I can't because we're we're because we're out of time. time. Well, we got stupid and goofy towards uh, the fifty minute mark there, so we're sorry. Yeah, guys. We really fell apart there at the end. Yeah, that's that's okay though. So I want to share a quick thing with you, real quick. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm excited about this. About one. church history. This is Crazy Town with church history. I guess we'll call it Crazy Town. We're gonna talk about church history. Oh, cray cray. However, this church history was like a week ago, okay. July 28th. Not even. <clears throat> so wow, literally like. A couple days ago. ago. A couple days ago. So it's football season, just about. No, dude, I don't care about sports. Come it's on. Not, it's not sports related. Just relax. It's church history, remember? But football season uh, starting here pretty soon, within a month or so. All these contracts and deals are being signed from different people. It's a big, big topic here. Babylon B came out with this article that says Stephen Furtick signed six year, $110 million contract with Lakewood Church, <laughs> which is Joel Osteen's church. And I was cracking up. So I thought that was hilarious, right? Just in and of itself, I went ahead and posted it on my Facebook. I was like, that's hilarious. Stephen Furtick signs a contract. Are you going to tell a follow-up story to that? Yeah, so Good. So <laughs> I found out today that a lot of people were actually really convinced People believed this. it. It made the news. It made the news. And uh, Elevation Church actually had to issue a statement saying, like, no, we don't do contracts. That's not an actual thing. I thought it was hilarious, though, because um, something similar to this happened like a year ago where uh, someone post or Babylon B posted an article that at, about Elevation Church, like Elevation Church is now building a water slide that leads right into the <laughs> baptismal or something like that, and it happened to be like right around the time they were adding like a balcony or something, and so like the congregation started flipping out, They're like oh my gosh, we're doing this, and it was a huge. They were probably thing. excited too. Yeah, so that you that's know my you know what's interesting about Babylon B? What's that? Um, they had an article that they came out with that actually really convicted me. To go out and share the gospel with people. Which was? The, the title of the article was something of the effect of Calvinist has great hypothetical theory right. of evangelism. Right. I was like, oh man, how convicting is that? Yeah. It's like we can talk about evangelism and how great it is and how we should do it and different methods and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, if we're just talking, right. it's worthless. Right. And, and so Babylon B really stirred me up to be like, ah, I'm an inconsistent hypocrite. All right. Way to go B. So... Yep. Okay, uh, remember y'all, uh, we're on iTunes, so rate and review us. If there is anybody in the Indianapolis area who wants to do um, street evangelism with us, we will be out um, on August 26th. So this drops, I think, the 8th or the 9th. Mm, isn't that the day of your kids? Yeah, I'm going to be late. Okay. So that's the day after my son turns one. That's when we're having his birthday party. Um, 
anyways, uh, August 26th, we're going to be out doing what we call a gospel blitz, where it's just we try to get a bunch of people uh, from our church and different churches to go out and share the gospel with the people of Indianapolis. So if you are interested in that, you want to know uh, more information, just uh, send us a message on our uh, Facebook page, Joe Smo Theology, or send us an email at joeschmotheology at gmail.com. Uh, we'd appreciate that. And remember, every Joe Schmo can grow some mo. Peace.